0: Welcome to the first ever episode of the Being Comfortably Uncomfortable podcast with child psychologist Andrew Greenfield. In this episode, Andrew takes a look at the important subject of behavior management. It's one parents don't want to miss. I'm your host, Anthony Pearl. Well, hello, everyone. And uh, I think we've really got to start this first episode with a very important introduction to the main star of the show. Andrew, do you want to introduce yourself and give people a little bit of a sense of your background and your story?
1: Sure. So Andrew Greenfield, I'm a child and educational psychologist and working in the field for, I guess, over now, over 25 years, I think it is, um, and work with lots of schools, work with parents directly, work with teachers, work with other allied health professionals. So I guess it's a paediatrician, psychiatrist, it's a range of different people that I work with um, and on a range of different topics, whether it's an assessment or it could be an assessment for a number of different reasons, it could be counselling for, again, a whole range of different reasons. So it is quite varied as to what I will often speak about, which is which makes it interesting for me.
0: Yeah, and you've got a wealth of experience uh, over a long period of time and I think... Um... Uh, you know, including a lot of appearances in the media. But I think one of the restrictions that we have in the media, of course, is that you only get a limited space to talk about things. So I think the purpose of this podcast is really so we can expand on a lot of those topics.
1: That's right, exactly. Um, i want to be able to give people not going to be able to solve all the problems nor do i want to solve everyone's problems in a relatively short space of time but it's about education it's about discussing it's about coming up with some ideas that i guess affect everyone um i've got three kids of you know all different ages so i do practice what i preach to some degree as well so it's the type of thing that i talk every single day to parents about i talk to the kids about and even speak to the schools about so yeah, I'm excited to be able to, to, to share that that knowledge
0: with, as I guess,
1: as many people as
0: I can. And I think that's an important thing here as well for people to know that uh, there's a degree of interactivity with the podcast as well because if you do have uh, topics of interest that you want us to have a look at in future episodes, we'll include some notes uh, alongside of the podcast for you to be able to interact and send us those questions and we'll have a look at them in future episodes uh so I, I guess I wanted to start with before we get into the topic of today is to talk about the name for the podcast. Cause you and I had some interesting discussions back and forthing about the name, but this whole idea of being uncomfortably comfortable, tell me a little bit about the history of that terminology.
1: Yeah. So I mean, when I'm when I'm counseling with any child and and all the parents, I'm always talking about, I guess, issues that affect them in their day-to-day lives. And we often talk about different emotions and emotional regulation and emotional dysregulation. So often we're talking about when you are, whether it's angry or frustrated or annoyed or embarrassed or any of these emotions at all, um, sad, depressed, uh, we often feel uncomfortable. And that's the feedback that I get from the people that I see. They're uncomfortable, uncomfortable in some way. And that's to be expected. Um, that what I try and speak to everybody about is to try and help them be a little bit more comfortable being uncomfortable, if that makes sense. Because for a whole lot of different reasons, we don't really have a choice with a lot of the uncomfortability. This is real life, and it is, that affects us adults as well, and we need to be able to, to, to deal with that. And some people deal with it better than others um, as adults and as kids. So it's, it came from there. And it's something, I guess, that I not only talk about every day, but I kind of think about every day. And it's amazing just the the trigger sometimes with kids where they realise, and adults, it's okay to be a bit uncomfortable some of the time. And it doesn't have to be an unhealthy way of thinking generally. It doesn't mean that we strive to be to be uncomfortable as much as we can. But it's about not always stru- try not to struggle with being uncomfortable. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest keys that I find that really resonates with the, with the whole population that I see as well. So it's not necessarily covers, it's not going to cover every single topic that I talk about. But I just think I, that was what came to me straight away, being comfortably uncomfortable and living with that and being uncomfortable
0: some of the time is
1: generally okay to do.
0: And I think there's two levels to that. Uh, just to touch on is, is one. I mean, being uh, uncomfortable is also about growth, isn't it? I mean, we all experience that le- some level of growth by being uncomfortable in certain situations.
1: Yeah, no, that's right. And your first step, obviously, is recognizing what you are. You know, that you're uncomfortable. And We talk to kids about what what you can see within yourself, whether it's physical symptoms or with what your your actual language, there's a whole range of things that I take kids through. Um, and and this is of all different ages. And obviously I'm going to tailor the language towards the child's age and even towards their their cognitive ability. So there are so many factors. It's all got to be tailored towards that individual person. Um, but the general concept is the same. And it's about not only figure out, well, yes, we might be uncomfortable, we often obviously talk about ways of how do you get comfortable, how do you get more comfortable. Um, so it's not, it, it, it's a combination of, yeah, talk about growth and how we can change from that initial position. Um, but that, that growth isn't going to come from one second to the next or from one day to the next or maybe not even one month to the next. It's a process that does take time. And this is something that once we start talking about that, a lot of the people that I see, especially the teenagers, realise, oh, well, I'm actually not that different to anybody else. It's okay that I feel this way. I don't have to feel guilty for feeling this way. And some of the time, it's okay to be like that. Um, I don't have to strive to be the most confident, happy person 100% of the time. And just by knowing that, I think is a huge relief for for the population that I see.
0: Absolutely, and I imagine that, Though the second level to that is really uh, dealing with parents as you do as well, because it's one thing for you individually to be living in that uncomfortable space, but it's another thing for helping parents recognise that their child is in that space and how they work with them to help them.
1: Yeah, and that's often when I am working with uh, with it. I work with kids from all ages up to sort of, I guess, five up to obviously 18, and then I do work with you know, adults for a whole range of different other reasons. Um, but often when I'm working with them, I often do start with, even from the five to 18 year olds, I work with the parents and the child in the room, first of all, um, probably take a step back. I, I will always get the background, the history from the parents and that some, most of the time will be without the children there. Um, but the next step would be with the parents and the child, and I want to often see the dynamics between the parents and the child. They don't even have to open their mouth a lot of the time. I can see the nonverbal language and even, you know, the unspoken word can uh, can can be hugely powerful just from what I'm picking up on and what I can see. So it's um, – and then obviously the child on their own after that. So it's a combination of all of those factors. There's, that's how I work. Everyone else is going to work differently. But that's what I find quite valuable is to see the dynamics, especially working in the family dynamic
0: space as well. Yeah. And I suppose that brings us to the big first topic that we wanted to talk about in this episode, which is really around behavior management. Um, because it does rely on both aspects, doesn't it? The the parent and the child. So so talk to me about some of the biggest challenges that parents face firstly when they're with their, you know, kids, whether they're young or into their teens. Yeah.
1: And I might even take a step back even before that, because often I did talk to parents about the different parenting styles. And there were always different parentings. I kind of start with the three main ones that, that I look at. One is authoritative, which is, I guess, firm but fair. Um, there's permissive, which I guess can be considered wimpy and weak in, in terms of style. And then you've got author, authoritarian, which is more like a controlling bully and um, we I often do see not necessarily has to be one or the other, and sometimes it's a bit of a bit of one or two of the, those, those styles. But the first step is, I guess, for the parents recognizing which style they generally are, and you might have two different parents or caregivers that are complete opposites. And then we talk about that in itself, where there's no consistency. So that's one of the first things is trying to figure out your parenting style, and every everyone's style is going to come from a whole range of different places. Um, once we've figured out what type of parenting style, I'll then start to talk about, I guess, the effectiveness of the parent. And I think, and I often talk about, well, how do you measure how effective you are as a parent? Um, that's something that is incredibly difficult to be able to measure how effective you are. It's more about, and it, that effectiveness is going to be very measured very differently from one family to the next. Because some families value some behaviors and, and not others. And some people have less tolerance than others. So it's going to be huge individual differences in the parents as well. And often between, again, mum and dad and caregivers.
0: I think you raise an important couple of points there. I mean, I can see you know the whole good cop, bad cop thing is uh may come out in the parenting style. And I, but I think also attuning to the parents' different values, because there isn't a, a one size fits all approach to how you might deal with uh, a child that has behavioural issues, um, and so I think that's really an important consideration, isn't it? About measure, about understanding and not necessarily trying to completely change—is it the the way that a parent naturally uh, tends to be?
1: Yeah, that's right. We don't want you're not going to change somebody's personality. That's just part of, part of the way that they're going to parent is part of their personality. Um, I don't want to change that necessarily, but I think parents can learn how to be more effective with what they're doing. And I think that's the point. Um, so an example of that may be, I mean, one of the most common scenarios is my child doesn't listen. Let's talk about that for, for a second. Um, and we all have those, you know, myself included. Um, so I guess I'm t- talking probably, well, probably any age, really, not necessarily just the younger ones. any of us have teenagers out there that just don't listen some of the time. Um, and I guess we're assuming that For a second, we're assuming it's not necessarily an auto-processing issue. It's not necessarily an attention issue. We'll get to that at some other other segments. Assuming that it's more they don't want to, or there's a bit of disobedience, or there's a bit of um, oppositional defiance. That's what I'm talking about. So I'm ruling out any other major factor that may be the cause of their not hearing the parents. Um, And I'll often try and make sure that i do rule all of those other factors out so we know it's purely a listening thing and it's just choosing not to listen it's a choice um so that's that's one of the biggest scenarios and i say to parents well most of the time when parents are talking to their kids they're shouting from one room to the other while they're on doing something maybe cooking or doing some work or dealing with another child and then the other child's doing something on a device or watching television or doing a thousand things and whatever the message just doesn't get through as you can imagine um it's chaos and that's that's our lives we're all busy we're all doing things so often what i say to parents one of the biggest things that i say is we need to slow the world down and that's difficult in this day and age because life is busy we're always busy we're always doing something we're always on a device we're always and that is life but I often say to parents, well, and, and the biggest argument is, well, I haven't got time. It takes my time to be able to slow things down and to be able to encourage them to get in front of their child, get eye contact, wait till they haven't got anything in their hand and then give them the instruction. And, of course, the biggest argument is, well, I haven't got time to do that because life's busy. And I would completely agree with that. But the only problem with that with that is that maybe half an hour later, when they haven't listened to a single thing you've said, they haven't followed through with any message that you've given them, we ended up having to still go and get in front of them, get eye contact and get down to the level anyway. So trying to do that first, which is not necessarily a natural process or natural thing to do, especially with the younger ones, um, the five to sort of 10-year-olds, we we may end up having to do that anyway.
0: Yes, and, then, and when you're doing that anyway, you're often doing it under greater duress because tensions have risen as a result of the not listing in the first place. So it it actually makes the problem a whole lot worse. Um, and and I, I guess I wanted to just ask you as well about this kind of the measurement of success that you have touched on before as well. And even using that scenario you've just painted, often we think when we're measuring success, in a situation, is we need that overall picture looking over an extended period of time. But I imagine that you've got to look at these individual little steps as success, don't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, what one parents counts as effective or successful behavior management is going to be very different to another. Um, and and again, a lot of the times this is all gonna be complicated with you know, difficulties that the child has. And again, I deal a lot with kids with learning issues and ADHD and autism and language difficulties. So the population, a lot of the population I see, it is all complicated by all of those factors, which we will talk about at some point down the track. Um, So it, it doesn't really change drastically what I would recommend with parents, even if they do have some form of developmental difficulty or disorder. The same general principles will absolutely apply. The only difference is you may have to do more of everything, be more persistent, be more consistent, be, be more effective, be more of everything. That's probably one of the biggest differences, That's and, and it takes more time. That's They're, they're the huge um, differences between having a, I guess, what we call nowadays a neurotypical child compared to a, a child with some sort of developmental difficulties of any kind.
0: Thanks for your company and please see the show notes for how to get in contact with Andrew Greenfield and don't forget to subscribe for future episodes. And remember, it's important to learn how to be comfortably uncomfortable
1: some of the time.